This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Are you tired of ads? We've got you covered. You can listen ad-free right now by joining our Patreon or by clicking the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. It's only $2.99 a month. And with that subscription, you get ad-free episodes, episodes a day early, and access to 11 bonus episodes. See you there. Welcome back to another episode of The Murder Diaries. I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. Just five years old, cute as a button. She had brown hair and brown eyes. She never met a stranger. Loved to make people laugh. Always had a funny joke to tell. And followed it up with Waka Waka. Just like Fozzie Bear from the Muppets. Waka Waka! Adored all things Disney and swimming. She would never turn down a dance party. Loved to read and be read too. Her favorite books were Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See? and Night Night Little Pookie. And then one day, she disappeared. As if that weren't horrible enough, her parents didn't report her missing for 10 months. 10 months. Her name is Oakley Carlson. This is her story. Used to think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Oakley Lynn Carlson was born on December 6, 2016, to her mother, Jordan Bowers, and father, Andrew Carlson. They lived in Oakville, a rural town in Washington State located about 29 miles southwest of the capital city, Olympia. The couple, both in their 30s, each had children from previous relationships when they had met. Jordan had a son and Andrew a daughter. Together, they had three more children— a daughter who was six years old when this case takes place in 2021, another daughter who we're talking about today, Oakley, and a younger son who was two when this case takes place in 2021. For a time, Andrew was employed as a police officer. He graduated from the police academy in 2012 and was hired as an officer with the Aberdeen Police Department. But according to court documents, Andrew began running into legal trouble. In February of 2017, Andrew's peace officer certification was revoked by city officials for making, quote, false and misleading statements. In August of 2018, he was charged with malicious mischief by the Grays Harbor County Sheriff's Office. Chronic drug use in the home by both Andrew and Jordan eventually led to their children being taken away and placed in foster care. Oakley, just seven months old at the time, went to live with her foster parents, Eric and Jamie Joe Hiles, on September 22, 2017. The Hiles, who were high school sweethearts, had been married for several years, but had trouble getting pregnant, and they were unable to have children of their own. They both were teachers at the same high school where they met as teenagers. Not that they're an integral part of the story, but It just gives you a gist of what kind of home Oakley was being fostered in. One day, Jamie Jo, who taught business education, got a text from a former student asking if she'd be interested in fostering. The former student said that her hairdresser's granddaughter was in a bad living situation and there was a strong possibility that a foster situation could 
lead to adoption. The Hiles didn't hesitate. Jamie Joe recalls, it felt like kismet, like we were meant to be a family together. Oakley lived with the Hiles until she was almost three years old. She got along so well with Eric and Jamie Joe that she called them mom and dad. When her biological parents stopped by on supervised visits, she called them by their first names, Jordan and Andrew. Photos from this chapter in Oakley's life show that she was clearly happy and healthy. By all accounts, she was thriving. The Hiles saw her take her first steps and heard her speak her first words. There are plenty of smile-filled pictures from this time period during holidays and milestone events like birthdays, Halloween, dressed up in costumes, trips to the beach and park, or even just having fun around the house or their own backyard. An employee from Grow Child Care in Elma, Washington, where Oakley attended daycare, recalls she was fun. She had a great personality. She goes on further to say she was also a kid that was just super well-adjusted while she was in our care, you know, played and was rambunctious and did, you know, just all the things that you would expect a typical, healthy, thriving child. The Hiles were so happy with Oakley as part of their family that they were already making plans to officially adopt her. But sadly, on September 30th, 2019, they were abruptly told by the state officials that Oakley would soon return to live with her biological parents. Small tangent here, but I really do think that this is something that a lot of people don't understand about the foster system. Its goal is reunification. Adoption isn't necessarily the goal of every single foster placement. It can take a long time, especially with a younger child, to get to the point where the family has no more reunification rights. This might vary from state to state, and I am not an expert, but this is just something I've been made aware of. On October 11th, the Hiles met with a social worker and a supervisor at the Department of Children, Youth, and Families. They expressed their serious concerns of returning Oakley to her biological parents so quickly. The Hiles felt that the process was being rushed and not thought out. Unfortunately, the meeting did not go well. The Hiles were told, quote, she isn't your daughter and being poor isn't a reason for someone not to have their children was the response they received when they asked about neither Jordan nor Andrew being currently employed. A little more than a week later, Oakley had her first unsupervised visit with Jordan and Andrew. She reportedly came home to the Hiles with a full diaper that had not been changed during the visit and she had scratches on her neck. The following week, she had a second unsupervised visit. When she returned from that visit, she told the Hiles that Jordan had hit and argued with Andrew over a video that Oakley was watching on one of their phones. Jamie Jo emailed the social worker Angela about the incident. The response that was received in return was, there are no concerns and that Oakley loved her mom and dad. On November 9th, Oakley had her first overnight visit at Jordan and Andrew's home. Oakley officially returned to live with her biological parents the day after Thanksgiving, just 20 days later after that first overnight, November 29th, 2019. In reflection, Jamie Jo said, that's what's so heartbreaking. We wanted to give her the absolute best life. Loading her into that car felt like a death to us then. We have grieved and have been so sad at the loss of her. In December 2020, Oakley spent the Christmas holiday with her parental grandparents. As soon as her grandmother, Kate Carlson, saw Oakley, she became very concerned about her overall health and well-being. She reached out to Child Protective Services and told them Oakley's skin was pale, 
She had dark circles under her eyes and sores on her face. Jordan and Andrew were livid with his parents when they found out that they had reported them to the Child Protective Services. As a result, they cut off all communications with his parents and would not let them see Oakley. According to the sheriff's office, the last confirmed sighting of Oakley seen alive was on February 10th, 2021, when Child Protective Services went out for a visit to the home. Tragically, no one reported her missing until 10 months later. And at the end of March 2021, the DCYF closed her case without first meeting with or even speaking to Oakley. Around 10 a.m. on December 6th, 2021, which happened to be Oakley's fifth birthday, police officers conducted a welfare check on her. They interviewed Jordan and Andrew in their extended America Stay hotel room where they'd been staying after a fire had seriously damaged the upstairs floor of their home. Police began this investigation on Oakley's well-being because the principal of Oakley's school actually called officials and requested a welfare check after she had not attended school in several months. The principal's concerns for Oakley started innocently enough. She became concerned when she stopped by to bring the family some food and donated toiletry items from the school's community after they were displaced from their home because of that fire I mentioned. Each time that she stopped by to visit and bring additional supplies, she saw the other children, but never Oakley. Whenever the principal asked where Oakley was, she was told something different every time. One visit, she was told that Oakley was in timeout in her room, and another time, she was told that she was away visiting with a family member. According to court documents, the final straw for the Oakville Elementary School principal and what prompted the call to police for a welfare check on Oakley was when Oakley's older sister was at her house for sleepover with her daughter. The principal had a daughter that was the same age, and the two were having a sleepover. While she was there, Oakley's sister tells the principal, the mom of her friend, Oakley is no more. The police officer knocked twice on the hotel room door before Jordan Bowers answered, holding her then two-year-old son in her arms. The room appeared tidy, and it was clear that the family was packing up to move out of the extended stay and back to their home. According to a police officer's report, the two-year-old son in Jordan's arms had clothing on and appeared nourished. Investigators said Oakley wasn't seen during the welfare check, and both Jordan and Andrew were uncooperative during the visit. When asked about Oakley's whereabouts, Jordan told officers Oakley's with her mom. But when the officers asked Jordan to confirm that she was, in fact, Oakley's mom, Jordan said, yes. Confusing, right? The officers asked again, where is Oakley? And Jordan turns around looks around the room, and someone they couldn't see said, Oakley's at your mom and dad's. Andrew then comes to the door, and the officer asks him where Oakley was yet again. Andrew initially didn't respond, and the officer said in his report when he asked another time, Andrew said that Oakley was with his dad. But when the officers asked for his dad's phone number, Andrew said that he didn't know it. He also said that he didn't know his dad's address, but he finally conceded and gave the information to the officer. The police officers later learned that Andrew's parents lived right next door to them. Another officer called Andrew's dad, Fred, who then stated in that phone call 
that he did not have Oakley. And not only did he not have Oakley, but he hadn't seen her in almost a year. Officers later went to the Carlson home and corroborated that Oakley was not there. Officers then reached out to Child Protective Services to make sure that Oakley had not been placed again in foster care and that she should be living with her biological parents. CBS confirmed that Oakley should definitely be living with her biological parents. Officers then returned to the hotel to talk to Jordan and Andrew separately. It's at this time the officers told Andrew that Oakley wasn't with his father. The officer expressed Andrew's demeanor was one of indifference or that he already knew the information that was being given to him. When Jordan was told this, that her daughter is missing, her demeanor was one of anger. And she yelled, I'm not going to answer any of your questions. And then went back into the hotel room. The detective remembers she became enraged, yelling, clenching her fists, and refused to answer any further questions about the welfare or well-being of her daughter. The officers then left the hotel room. Ten minutes after they left, either Jordan or Andrew, it's not necessarily clear which, did a factory reset on their cell phone. At 3.31 p.m., an officer confirmed Jordan and Andrew left the hotel room with their two-year-old son. Andrew then called authorities and officially reported Oakley missing. At 2.06 p.m., earlier that same day that the officers paid them a visit at the hotel, the social worker contacted police to report that Jordan had called the elementary school and stated that there was an emergency and that she needed to come get the six-year-old, Oakley's older sister, from school. The school staff was ordered not to release the six-year-old, but neither Jordan or Andrew ever even showed up to the school to pick her up. Authorities showed up at Jordan and Andrew's fire-damaged home with a search warrant. They found toys and clothing belonging to all the other children, but none that belonged to Oakley. Investigators discovered blood splatter on the front door of the home, on the blinds covering a window, and also a bloody handprint downstairs on a wall in the hall. Police have never released any information about whose blood it may have been, but it is clear that some sort of crime had been committed in the home. For that reason, Andrew and Jordan were arrested on charges of obstruction of law enforcement and first-degree manslaughter. A detective questioned Andrew, who made a statement to the effect of Oakley being dead or not coming back for a reunion. Andrew was also booked into jail. Both he and Jordan were held at the Grays Harbor County Correctional Facility on a bail of $150,000 each. The judge cited the severity of the charges as the reason for such a high bail. Grays Harbor County Undersheriff stated, based on the unusual circumstances of the missing child, not knowing her whereabouts, and no one has seen her in several days, and no one knows her condition, we felt that it is in the best interest of the case. And now a word from today's sponsor. We've talked about Factor before, and you guys know I love Factor. My sister actually turned me on to Factor quite a while ago, long before we got the amazing chance to work with them for this episode. With the busy fall season ahead, you might be looking for something like Factor to be able to get some wholesome, convenient meals and something more nutrient-dense that you know is sitting there in your fridge waiting for you on those jam-packed days. Factor's America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it's no question as to why. They offer chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals that get delivered straight to your door. You get to save time and eat well. 
Fall is coming into full swing, and I know most of us are super busy around this time of year. It's back to school and then the holidays. I love having Factor in my refrigerator to know that on those crazy days, I've got something nutrient-dense and that I know I can count on being tasty right there waiting for me. Not only does Factor offer their delicious meals, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply from an assortment of over 45 add-ons. You can add on breakfast items or choose from their refreshing beverage options. They have juices, shakes, and smoothies. I love them all. If that hasn't sold you to try Factor with me already, you can rest assured that when you do choose Factor, you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery admissions, which we love. They also source 100% renewable electricity on their production sites and offices. Join me in the love of Factor by heading over to factormeals.com slash diaries50. There you can use code diaries50 to get 50% off your order. That's code diaries50 at factormeals.com slash diaries50 to get 50% off. Enjoy. An investigator from the fire department searched the home and confirmed what was somewhat obvious that there had been a fire. His cursory investigation concluded though that the fire started from the kitchen microwave not from Oakley lighting the downstairs sofa on fire with Jordan's cigarette lighter like Jordan and Andrew had told the police before. It was also revealed that at the time of the fire, the couple never called 911 because, according to them, they couldn't find their phones. A forensic investigator questioned Oakley's older six-year-old sister. At first, she denied even having a sister, but later she admitted Oakley was her sister, but she had not seen her in a long time. She said that her mother, Jordan, quote, told her not to talk about Oakley. She also went on to say that Oakley had gone out into the woods and had been eaten by wolves. When asked if Oakley was hurt, she didn't respond and started to cry. Eric Hiles says that he believed that the children were told that Oakley had misbehaved and had been eaten in this fairy tale manner by the big bad wolf. Something else interesting is that Eric actually knew Andrew in high school And he says, I knew the father in high school and the person he is now is not the person he was at all in high school. Oakley's older brother told police that he saw their mother, quote, beat Oakley with a belt and would put Oakley in the closet, possibly under a stairwell. The brother said that he had been worried about her starving. He went on to mention the fire and said everyone escaped it safely except for Oakley. It should also be mentioned that at this time, Oakley's six-year-old sister and her younger brother were taken into protective custody. The next day, the Hiles heard about Jordan and Andrew being charged with manslaughter. Their grief was palpable. Jamie Jo released a statement saying, it just makes me ill. It's sick that I would have given anything to raise this little girl and her biological parents don't want to even acknowledge that she's missing. On December 7th, the sheriff's office, FBI, state patrol, and other authorities searched Jordan and Andrew and Andrew's parents' 300-acre property. They didn't find any sign of Oakley or her remains. The search was later expanded to include neighboring land. Divers, cadaver dogs, drones with thermal imaging, and even aircraft were brought in to help. When Oakley's body was still not found, officials looked for any clues that might show Oakley could have been sold or trafficked. No evidence to support that theory was ever found either. 
Several of Jordan and Andrew's neighbors said that they hadn't seen Oakley in a while, and they had noticed the school bus no longer stopped at their home to pick her up or drop her off. But no one could remember exactly when they had last seen her. One thing law enforcement did uncover was Oakley's sister had medication she needed to be taking. Medication came to light when the girl's foster parents asked about it while she was in their care. Police learned that Jordan and Andrew hadn't been giving her her medication. They hadn't been doing so for 15 months. Without her meds, the little girl could become increasingly sick and possibly even die. Jordan said that they were unable to afford the medication. Her lawyer backs her up saying that this is a situation that occurred because her health insurance carrier refused to pay for the medication, said it was an experimental drug or something. By December 9th, the 72-hour hold for suspicion of manslaughter charges was close to expiring. Officials charged Jordan and Andrew with abandonment of a dependent person in the second degree based on the fact that they had not been giving Oakley's sister her medication. They did not file manslaughter charges, which clearly would have required a more in-depth investigation than those 72 hours allowed them. Hair samples were taken from Oakley's six-year-old sister and her two-year-old brother. When the test results came back, they found evidence of meth in both the hair samples. This meant that both kids had been exposed to extremely high levels of the drug within the last three months. The two-year-old's levels were so high, it was consistent with him having ingested the drug. Officials announced on December 13th that investigators had completed their search of Andrew's parents' home and the surrounding grounds. The undersheriff said, if there's burn piles, we're going to go through the burn piles. If there's any fresh dirt, we're looking in the fresh dirt. Any crawl spaces, enclosed spaces, we're checking everything we can possibly do. The search at the residence is complete and she was not located. Detectives are still actively investigating this case. There are no searches underway at this point. Fred and Kate Carlson, Andrew's parents, Oakley's grandparents, released a statement on December 15th. The Carlson family has been and continues to fully cooperate with this investigation. Our only objective is to find our granddaughter, Oakley. We're praying that Oakley will be found soon and also for the multitude of good people working around the clock to make that happen. We ask that the media respect our privacy during this very difficult time, and we do not wish to make any further statement for now. Thank you. A couple weeks later on December 30th, Jordan and Andrew appeared in court to face the charge of not providing needed medication for their daughter. By that time, prosecutors had added two counts of endangerment with a controlled substance to Jordan and Andrew's case based on the meth results from both children's hair. A large crowd of demonstrators marched out in front of the Grays Harbor County Jail on January 2019th, demanding justice for Oakley. They chanted, make her talk, tell us where Oakley is. Even Oakley's older biological brother joined that demonstration. He told reporters, I feel like I want some justice. I want my mom to tell us where she is finally. Jamie Jo Hiles was also at the demonstration and asked if she believed that Oakley was still alive. She answered that question by saying, I think that there's always going to be that little part of me that is going to believe she's out there, even though I might think otherwise. Like maybe my gut tells me that she's not here with us anymore, but I still want to have that push. Andrew pleaded guilty to two counts of child endangerment with a controlled substance on March 14th, 2022. Unlike Jordan, Andrew had no prior criminal history. Andrew appeared in Grays Harbor County Superior Court on March 28th, 2022 for his sentence hearing. During the hearing, the judge told him, it's a father's job to protect their children. You certainly failed that, Andrew. 
He then went on to sentence Andrew to 12 months in jail. Jordan also pleaded guilty to two counts of endangerment with a controlled substance on April 8, 2022. The count of abandonment had been dropped. On April 22nd, Jordan was sentenced to 20 months in prison. King 5 News reported that Jordan's lawyer had negotiated a shorter 15-month sentence, but the judge bumped it to 20 months because of her fairly extensive prior criminal record, which, by the way, included multiple charges of theft and drug-related arrests. The Hiles family continues to honor Oakley and joined forces with the Light the Way Missing Persons Advocacy Group on July 16th, 2022 to host Paint the Night Pink an auction and dinner for Oakley that brought in almost $50,000 to help increase the amount of the reward offered for any news of the whereabouts of Oakley in hopes that it might spur someone to come forward. Andrew was released from Grace Harbor County Jail to a drug treatment program on August 3rd, 2022. On September 12th, Andrew did not show up for his 9 a.m. chemical dependency review hearing. A bench warrant was issued for his arrest and the judge set bail at $25,000. Andrew made a surprise appearance at his 1 p.m. criminal hearing, then again at 2 p.m. where his warrant was squashed. He was then scheduled for another hearing the following week. After a one-week delay of that scheduled hearing, Andrew appeared in court via Zoom on September 19th for his chemical dependency review. At that time, Andrew had still not provided the paperwork requested by the court to prove that he had successfully completed the drug treatment program. The judge granted him an additional week to produce the paperwork. On September 26th, Andrew appeared in court again via Zoom for his chemical dependency review. This time, he did have some paperwork with him, uh, some kind of certificate that showed that he completed treatment on August 31st, 2022. However, what the court wanted was an evaluation and treatment plan, not just some paper saying he completed it. The judge ended up ruling that Andrew was not compliant and ordered him to appear at 9 a.m. at Grace Harbor Superior Court. In court on October 3rd, Andrew said, I would like to say that I deeply regret my failings as a father. I haven't done a lot of things correctly in the last seven years or so. I'm very ready to turn that around. And if I can't be a father to my children, at least I can be an example they can look at and say, I did the right thing. On January 15th, 2023, just minutes after being released from the Washington Correctional Center for Women after serving her sentence for child endangerment, Jordan was arrested again for three counts of first-degree identity theft and one count of second-degree identity theft, both of which are felonies. The identity theft charges against Jordan actually began in December 21 when police were looking for Oakley at the hotel. Hotel maintenance, while they were working to unclog a toilet in the room, found three credit cards with different names on them that had caused the clog. Investigators learned that each card belonged to people who knew Jordan. It's believed that Jordan had started committing identity theft in December 2020, and it went on for a full year. Investigators say that she stole an estimated $50,000 and believed that amount could actually be significantly higher. Police claim that Jordan fraudulently created credit card accounts using personal info belonging to her friends and relatives. Jordan was also accused of using the cards to shop at places like Walmart and eBay and to get cash and gamble at a local casino. A woman who was at one time friends with Jordan was defrauded more than any of the other victims. She lost around $28,000, according to court documents. Quote, these charges stem from complaints from multiple victims who experienced fraudulent banking activity. After the investigation was completed, Jordan Bowers was identified as the primary suspect. 
And that's a quote from local authorities. In May of 2023, the Grays Harbor County Sheriff's Office, working together with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, released an age-progressed photo of what Oakley would look like today at six years old. The previous photo they had been sharing with the public was from her third birthday. That's two years before she was even reported missing. The Sheriff's Office and other local organizations distributed the updated photo of Oakley as widely as possible in hopes a more current picture would lead to someone stepping forward to provide information that would lead to her safe return, or at the very least, closure for her loved ones. After originally pleading not guilty, Jordan changed her plea to guilty in regards to the identity theft charges. She received some kind of a plea deal, and in August of 2023, a judge sentenced her to 43 months in prison. It's important to note that Jordan has never officially been charged with Oakley's disappearance, but documents that emerged during her recent identity theft trial detailed a troubling pattern of alleged abuse towards Oakley. Documents allege that prior to her disappearance, Oakley was often kept in a locked cell underneath the stairs of their home. It was also revealed that since 2013, the DCYF received 11 intakes regarding the family, eight of which have been screened for allegations of domestic violence, physical abuse, parental drug use, and medical neglect. So the question still remains, what happened to Oakley Carlson? Would she had also have had meth in her system like her brother and sister? Maybe that left to an overdose? Did she die in the fire? It is also possible that Oakley was kidnapped by someone else. We can't rule that out. But why wait 10 months to report her missing? And let's not forget about the blood splatter that was found around the home. The other possibility in this case is the traffickers. I don't mention all those theories for fun or to spark a morbid conversation about a child who is still, by the way, missing. But it's important to list or to note them because... We never know what information may spark somebody to come forward or for somebody to start putting clues together. Investigators want to talk to anyone who came in contact with Oakley during 2021. The last credible sighting of Oakley, again, was February 10th, 2021. Detective Sergeant Paul Logan told Northwest News that the investigation into Oakley's disappearance is still ongoing with the FBI assisting. Based on the current circumstances, he says that officials are working under the assumption that Oakley is deceased. They are hoping to gather enough evidence to bring forth formal charges and make an arrest. Another investigator said, unfortunately, based on the circumstances of the case, I'm not sure that will be the outcome we receive. In light of Oakley's case and her tragic story, the Oakley-Carlson Act stands in her remembrance. The bill, also known as House Bill 1397, outlines changes designed to protect children that have been removed from their home based on abuse, neglect, or abandonment from their parents. If the bill were to become law, it would require the DCYF to supervise all cases for at least five years before conducting its final hearing and closing the case. The Oakley-Carlson Act, House Bill 1397, is currently making its way through the Washington State Congress. Representative Jim Walsh says we're not giving up on Little Oakley and we're not giving up on the reforms. This bill will not only prevent this kind of thing from happening again, but if this kind of thing does happen again, it will put us in a better position to find the missing child. And to this day, framed photos of Oakley adorn the Hiles' home. They serve as daily reminders of that cute little girl with a big smile who Eric and Jamie Joe grew to love. 
and the two happy years she spent living with them. In an open letter to Oakley penned by Jamie Jo Hiles, she says, I know I didn't give birth to you, but I wish I did. You were everything I'd ever dreamed of having in a child. Daddy and I wished and waited so long for a baby. And even though you came to us in an unconventional way, I loved you like you were my own biological child. I loved when strangers would tell us that we had the same smile because it meant that people thought I could have even an ounce of your beauty. Anyone who has any information about Oakley Lynn Carlson's disappearance are asked to contact the Sheriff's Office Investigation Division at sodetectives at co.grays-harbor.w.us or call 360-964-1792. Go ahead and follow us on socials at The Murder Diaries Pod. And until next time, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.